This is the Final Whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. Hello and welcome to our preview podcast for the Woking Away game that's happening this Saturday. I'm Bill Long and with us the tactical powerhouse, Yay. Mark Griffiths. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The tactical outhouse, more like, I think, to be perfectly honest. Like, like, in, like Rob McElhenney's childhood home. I'm the tactical outhouse. If you didn't watch Wrexham, uh, welcome to Wrexham. I am not offending our esteemed leader. Or stalking him. Oh, no, I didn't say I wasn't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got about 40-odd thousand people in Wrexham doing the same, though, hasn't he? So, yeah, uh, true. <laughs> yeah, not, not a problem for him. Or a massive problem, however you look at it. Anyway, moving <laughs> swiftly on. Uh, we're going to talk a, a bit today about the Woking game. Mark, uh, any initial thoughts? Uh, it's going to be... I mean, well, I mean, after the defeat of Chesterfield, I think a lot of us found a little bit of relief by looking at the five next matches and thinking, OK, these are winnable games which could get momentum going. Well, we certainly did the business last Saturday. But this is the toughest of the five. I know you could say Dorking as well. They're going really well, aren't they? But this on paper feels like the toughest of those five games, uh, especially after what happened last season there, of course. Yeah, it was a tough game to watch, that, wasn't it? Also, a uh, similar sort of time and on BT. So hopefully the BT curse is is uh, not in full effect for this match. Uh, we, You know, we... We're going to end up talking about their team a little bit in a minute, but what what impressed you about the way that they played last year? I well, I, it's a it's a very untechnical thing to say, but I was impressed by their tenacity when they had nothing to play for, or more should I say, disgusted by their tenacity <laughs> to play for, because that result really was the the beginning of our wobble that cost us the title, but. Uh, yeah, I think it was their team cohesion and their, their willingness to work and work and keep asking questions of us and try to come at us. I, I'm wary of thinking about anything more technical than that because there's only five of that team who are still at the club. And of those five, two of them certainly didn't play in their last match and haven't had that much pitch time. So, I, uh, you know, in, in a way, that game is sort of irrelevant because Woking are a completely different looking side now. And will pose different threats, but yeah, they you know, Woking's never been a straightforward away game for us. They're, they're a decent side now. Yeah, they they've they've always been you know a pretty they're a big non-league club. I was quite surprised they've never been to their ground before. See how big their ground was on TV at the you know the last game at BT. Um, they uh, we a few of us tipped them to be that dark horses, didn't we? In the in the Dragonheart preview season preview and. They've signed some good players like Padraig Armand. He's somebody who's, yeah. who's you know, definitely one to watch out for at this level, isn't he? It's, yeah, absolutely. It's quite interesting because Darren Saal, their manager, when he signed it, was saying, you know, I've been looking for years for that serial goal scorer, even before I came to Woking, and now I've got him. Um, so he hasn't scored yet this season. <laughs> maybe that's what we should worry about. Uh, maybe he's due. But uh, I've got to say, it's interesting because the, the, the real pattern of their signings, and they made a lot, is experience. I mean, he has waited a long time to get that serial goal scorer because Amund is 34 now. Uh, I'm not saying he's not capable of performing, mind. I think he's a good striker. He's a hell of a good signing. And likewise, their two centre-backs are both new to the club and are also in their mid-30s, Luke Wilkinson who was a, a superb signing from Yeovil. He had he had genuine injury problems 
last season, but he is a really good centre-back if they can keep him fit. And Scott Cuthbert, who they brought down from the Football League, I would argue that they have brought in a lot of character, a lot of physicality, and a lot of leadership in those two centre-backs. They haven't brought in a lot of pace, so I think that it'll be a tough physical battle for Palmer, but Mullen and the wing-backs will fancy their chances possibly of getting into positions and, and, and trying to run in behind the, the, the centre-backs. Yeah, do you think this is... I know we've seen a lot of rotation with the wing-backs, but do you think this is a game for uh, Mendy rather than McFadden then? That's a cracking question. Well, you, you were saying to me before we started recording that McFadden was good at walking last season until he got injured, and that was a bit of a turning point. And I, I like McFadden, although he didn't have the best game at Chesterfield. I don't... You know, rotation, hell of a question. I mean, the Chesterfield experience might have put Parkinson off. I suspect if the Gateshead game had stayed on the Monday, he would have looked at rotation across those two games. Mm. Now, now, well, I assume he'll be a bit more stable with it. Um, but I wouldn't rule out that he might refresh on the left. I, I, I don't know. I think on the right, Ford has been rested for a game. He'll, I suspect they'll keep him going. But yeah, it, it's slightly... I, I think it'll be very similar, if not identical to the team of Mason, because when you win 5-0, you, you feel like you want to reward those players, but it's it's hard to judge at the moment where, when and where he will rotate, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. You've got, you have, as much as rotation is, is a good policy to have, you have got to reward players who are performing well, and there's no absolutely no reason that every single player who started against Maidstone shouldn't be starting mm. again, really, is there? Um, and then you sort of maybe target Gateshead as the the weaker opposition, if there if there is a weaker opposition, really, as a as the one to maybe change a few things around, if we were going to do that at all. And we've had a week off now, uh, in which they can assess the players fully, but then they'll reassess after the Saturday game. There might be somebody with a bit of a bit of a knock that they can then rest on the Tuesday. So I think that makes more sense. But we'll see. It might be that Parkinson has decided after Chesterfield game that perhaps he wants continuity at the start of the season. And they'll rotate maybe part of the way through. I think the key thing of rotation, you see a lot of Premier teams doing this, is that probably at the end of the season, you want your first 11 to be playing consistently and be fresh, I would argue. You rotate now, and then at the end, you finish strong. But uh, be interesting yeah. to see if that's what Parkinson is thinking. Yeah, it will be. I mean, it's it's uh, alluded to the BT curse earlier. Uh, we spoke off camera about um, Woking's form, and uh, you've got a bit of an interesting stat, haven't you, Mark? About the, their their sort of form at the moment. It's just a weird one, isn't it? The home team always wins two nil. All their four games this season—that's exactly what's happened. So the two away games they've lost two nil. The two home games they've won two nil. There's something's got to give. Well, so not something doesn't have to give. <laughs> but if you go through a whole season like that, it's going to be an odd season, isn't it? Yeah, and, and their their opposition, uh, they've beaten beaten Barnet two 0 Who mm. we no lost, sorry, lost lost to Barnet. Sorry, lost to Barnet. Yeah. yeah, I have got I put that down as a win by accident. They beaten Scunthorpe and Dagenham and Redbridge two 0 Who, in fairness, you you maybe wouldn't necessarily say they're going to be right at the top of the table, but they're not two bad sides at all, are they? And yeah. then to lose to York and Barnet, who 
you could argue York are a newly promoted side and Barnet have, although we're doing well at the moment, have struggled in previous years. That it's it's they're consistently inconsistent there, aren't they, Mark? A bit really. Yeah. I guess it's early season. It's settling down. Maybe some teams will surprise us. Maybe Barnet will turn out to be, you know, an impressive side this season. That would be a, be a hell of a change from what they were last season. <laughs> so you have a look. Uh, but yeah, I like it. I think what it, the, this pattern really tells us is clearly at home they're decent. They've taken on two teams that on paper look like they'll be top half at least, if not pushing for the playoffs or Scunthorpe with a funny start of the season. I don't know what they are really. But and they kept clean sheets against both of them and scored goals against both of them. So yeah, it, it just shows that this is not an easy game. This is well, I, I always think with Woking, the pattern always seems to be first thirds of the season, they look great. Then they fade and end up sort of sixteenth. That's just been the pattern for the last yeah. two or three years. I, I don't know why. Um, but they could be doing that again, who knows? Uh, but it won't be easy. I think walking early season always seems to be more difficult. I can't give any scientific reason for that. It just doesn't. <laughs> it, teams, some teams just play like that, don't they? Like I, I've sort of been thinking a lot recently about uh, Phil Parkinson and, and his side. You know, uh, last year they they really took a bit, a bit of time to get into it. And how much of that is just how Parkinson likes to build a bit of momentum as a manager you know, intentionally or unintentionally. I don't know how, what his previous, you know, years have been like with other teams, but you've seen like when he had that really good cup run with with uh, Bradford, that's obviously momentum building across the season, isn't it? So yeah. we're going to, if there's going to be a time of the year that we may be a little bit wobbly, it's it's probably now I'd like to say, or like to, not, not like to say, but do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's that uh, time of year, maybe that we're going to take a bit of time to settle. Um, I, I'd not say strongly agree with that because when it when it comes to a really strong side, you don't want to play them once they've gotten to their, into their stride. You want to play them when they're settling into the season. And you often see that, don't you? Teams that run away with the title drop points early on. In fact, I've, I've often used this point to try and tell people to calm down after a bad early season result, Chesterfield, for example, that, you know, you think of previous times Rexham got prom- uh, promoted, the 92-93 season, we really didn't hit proper form until about November after losing 6-1 at Crewe uh, in the Cup. And everyone was furious after that match. And then 2003-2004, we lost one of our early home games. We lost 5-2 at home to Rochdale. Uh, you know, so, I mean, we were, you know, strong teams often have shaky sides. The 77-78 team, after about four games, right down near the bottom of the table. Good teams sometimes take a few games to gel, and then once they hit their strides, they keep going. So you're right. I think early seasons a good time to play us. Yeah, I mean, even uh, you know, even really famous uh, genius of managers like Pep Guardiola is first into Barcelona. It took him ages to implement how he wanted to play. And all right, we are in a different situation. We've got we're not Barcelona. We're, we're better than that. Uh, and yeah, we're more better. than more than uh, a club. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, we do have that settled squad. But I just think the season started so early this year. The players are barely out of break. Yeah. They're probably going to be a little bit lacking the match fitness in comparison to what you know previous years maybe. Um, it's it's we've got to give them time, and I think this this would be a really good game to kick on. But I also think it's still not panic button time if we don't get the result that we want. 
Yeah, hundred percent right. I, it, it's that's a really interesting point. I, I've been wondering this, and get the chance, I'll, I'll, I should ask Phil Parkinson about it. Like you said, it's been a short summer. Pre-season has been short. It, it, it felt a little uneasy as only having essentially five games because then when players like Lee and Davis took knocks, it meant they missed a chunk of pre-season. So, you know, have we deliberately done this because we know the players will be tired and we know they may carry a little bit of form, if you will, from last season over a short summer to, to slightly let them be undercooked coming into the season and let them almost start the season, oh, I don't know, like completing their pre-season, if you will, and it means that we won't be burnt out at the end. I mean, the, was... the parallel, it's stupid to use this parallel because I'm going to compare football with a less mainstream sport. Obviously, I should do the opposite. I'm going <laughs> to make a good comparison. But I'm thinking about cycling. I love cycling. Um, and you've got Primoz Roglic, a brilliant Slovenian rider, who a couple of years ago went into the Giro in amazing form, blew everyone away on the first stage, took the lead. Everyone said, this guy can't be beaten. He was in good form too soon. It's a three-week race. By the third week, his form had dipped off, and he didn't win it. He got overtaken by riders who'd come in a little undercooked. They hadn't won the warm-up races. They'd used them just to get themselves going, and they hit their stride in the third week and beat him. Now, you know, is that is uh, sort of that in a sense maybe slightly what we're doing? Coming slightly undercooked and get cracking as the season goes on? I, I think you could be right. A lot of um, MMA fighters, and uh, probably the same with boxing as well, you quite often oh, it's been the best, tra- best training camp of my life. This is the, I'm coming yeah. in ready. This is the sharpest I've ever been. And yeah. they act quite often then go and lose after saying all that. So, you know, it's sometimes you can be a bit too sharp before uh, the season starts properly or, you know, or, or, or a, a, an event or whatever. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's interesting time to be a Wrexham fan for a lot of reasons, isn't it, Mark? And for some people, they may have seen these results and think that we're not heading in the right direction. Uh, I, I think it's really is just about being patient and especially, New fans who might be being exposed to Wrexham for the first time, don't be put off if this is a game that doesn't quite go our way, even if we win, but the performance isn't the best. I think that's 100% right. I mean, I was looking at the league table. You know, people were heartbroken after we lost at Chesterfield and mortified, and don't get me wrong, Chesterfield were very impressive. They were better than I thought they were going to be. But where did they get them? They are currently one point ahead of us with another 42 games to play. So they've gained nothing in essence over us by doing that. Uh, it's, a, it's a long journey. Sometimes it takes a while for a team to settle into a season. And yeah, it's a good point you make there. I mean, there'll be lots of people after the release of Welcome to Wrexham who will be having that match day experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> having that match day experience <laughs> of following a Wrexham game for the first time on Saturday. And so... It'll be good to see that. It'd be nice if we could make a positive impression. But a footy's a marathon, not a sprint. We were formed in 1864. It's taken us 100 and what, 58 <laughs> years to get this far. And there's plenty more years to come. Hopefully, hopefully plenty more years to come for the good yeah. times. Uh, any final thoughts on, on Woking as a, as a side and what we need to be looking out for? They play 4-4-2, the um, last home game. Uh, 
Kyron Lofthouse playing on the right. Doesn't always play on the right, but he's on this formation. Chipped him with a couple of goals. It'll be interesting there for yes, the classic 4-4-2 against 3-5-2 questions. Our wing-backs become important, like you were saying about rotating them, because theoretically Wogan could double up on them. So what? how do we compensate with that? But then by the same token, we outnumber them in the middle of the pitch. We've got two strikers to put on two centre-backs. Does that make their centre-backs stay back? So all those sort of classic questions will be resolved. Um, Amund is physical, but Tozer and Hayden are very physical, and teams try and put their physical striker on Kluwerth and usually find that doesn't work. But the most important, oh, and, and I would say the centre mids are decent. Rowan Ince is again a player who's got energy and physicality. Jim Kellerman, I think, on the quiet is a clever signing from Chesterfield. I always think he's very tidy, just keeps the ball moving. I, I like him, and I was a bit surprised Chesterfield let him go. But the, the, the key takeaway, I think, from the walking team is that on a left-hand side, in their last match, he was subbed. Who knows if we'll see him in the Wrexham game? It was a bloke who... I know nothing about, except that his name sounds like a spell-checked version of a famous boxing uh, movie character, Ricky Corboa. <laughs> so close, so close, so close to Sly so, uh, Stallone suing him. Ricky Corboa, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, you, 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 you mentioned as being... Um... It's a good point, actually, about the sense, you know, outnumbering them in the sense of the midfield. Um, is this a game, then? not necessarily looking from a rotation point of view, like we've mentioned, but tactically, are we going to look to push uh, Davis a bit further forward because there's going to be that little bit of space in between the defence and midfield? Or is it a game where you think, actually, uh, we stay with free in midfield? Or do you even give Elliot Lee a, a go because maybe he's got that opportunity to to use that space to link up? I think... You know, last year, one, one of the complaints about that match was that Ollie Palmer and Mullin were finding it incredibly hard to yeah. sort of link between the the rest of the team and the space. That's a, that space that is always there, really, with Wrexham, because that's how we play. Uh, do, you, do you think we'll we'll look to push someone further up, or is this just a case of stay with tried and tested methods? I think my gut feeling is that, not looking at walking, but looking at last Saturday, there's an inclination, I think, to, to stick with that team. But... Yeah, I see your point. I mean, the thing with four four two is that there tends to be space between the lines, and if a four four two adjusts to compensate for that, then it tends to pull itself out of shape a little bit. So you know, Lee might be a player who can pick up the ball between the strikers and the, the mid sorry the midfielders and the defenders of walking and and have some fun. And if if Kellerman decides to drop off, then you have got Jordan Davis who can drive forwards into the space Kellerman's left. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting looking at these sort of games, isn't it? The, the, the flip side of that, I suppose, is as they'll have two strikers, and so few teams play with two strikers now, um, our centre-backs might not be able to come and join in with the wing-backs as much as they would like. And I think seeing the balance of those sorts of duels will be interesting. But I suppose I could put the counterpoint that Mullen and Palmer looked isolated at Chesterfield and Lee was playing. It depends on whether the team... I'm not, I'm yeah. Not, Sizing Lee there, but you had some very promising moments. But if a team can get a grip of a game, then you will be able to release those players into those areas. And if a team doesn't get a grip of a game, you find yourself, like I said, with your defenders being penned back and, and other players coming back to help them. So it's, it's just crucial we get a grip on things myself. I think. Yeah, and I think a lot a lot of criticism, uh, 
not a lot, obviously, because I think everyone loves this Wrexham team. But when there is criticism, it, it does seem to be around the midfield. And I know a lot of fans wanted us to go and get a, a another defensive midfielder of some sort. Uh, from a personal point of view, I think when you play with with Toza, Hayden and Kluwer, who can all fill that gap in the middle, you don't necessarily you don't necessarily need a, a strict centre defensive midfielder no. in that space. That defensive midfielder is there in systems like 4-3-3 where the centre-backs can get overrun because there's only two of them and you need someone to be able to drop back in and drop out. I think the beauty of our our midfield when it works is that you've got three players in Davis, Young and, and Jones who are actually share a lot of similar attributes with each other. They all run a lot. They've all got uh, the ability to defend and attack and you know like young young was known at torquay for and, and at times for us for being that center central attacking midfielder like a num- almost as a number 10 wasn't he so uh, i i think that actually benefits that those three players can sort of switch roles and move around and, and and be a bit more fluid in that area where they can take take turns to attack and yeah i remember his debut at dover and I wrote a thing saying how I was impressed by how Young was getting in the six-yard box and getting ahead of uh, Mike Fonda. Um, so, yeah, they've got that capability, haven't they? He's a good, flexible midfielder. If we want a holding midfielder, we have Tom O'Connor, um, who ought to be very, very good at that, but he just needs fitness and continuity, doesn't he, really? And we also have Max Kluwerth, who could do a shift there. He has played there at times. So we have the we have the options, don't we, to, to do that and, and to adjust. It's just that yeah, I, I I the criticism of the midfield, I get that. There have been a couple of games this season, the Oval as well as Chesterfield, where Mullen and Palmer have looked really on it and not getting much of the ball. But that's just how games go. I mean, the Oval game was all about the heat, I think, more than anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, and a Chesterfield game, to be perfectly frank, I think that their manager, Cox. Uh, really nailed it in terms of tactics. It was a superb uh, outmaneuvering of us, and that was essentially the bottom line. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not worried about the midfield. You look at the the range of options from O'Connor, who could sit in, to Lee, who could play off the strikers. We've got a wide range of players who can do different things in midfield. I don't think it's a, a thin area anymore. No, certainly not. So. Are we going to do predictions? Have you got a scoreline prediction? I'm not. I'm, sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sticking my head on the block like that. You can if you want. <laughs> um, no, I think maybe, you know what? Uh, I'll just note that down for minutes. We could <laughs> possibly take that out. Uh, never ask it. Mark for a prediction. Never, never ask dark. Mark for a prediction. Tomorrow but evening, after the game, it'll get darker. It'll get dark. That's. Yeah. Do you know what? As far as predictions go, Mark, I I think I'll trust you on that one. Yeah. Um. I, I to be honest, I I quite fancy us. I I think that we've got to remember this is in in the last fifteen could even argue before that you know like sort of tw- seventeen years, eighteen years. This is probably the best. Wrexham side since all the Trinidadians were playing for us in the League One, isn't it? And mm-hmm. you've got to have a, a lot of a lot of faith in this team to be able to to beat anyone that we come across. I think yeah. even if we were playing higher league opposition in the cup, you, you've got to fa- depending on the level, you've got to fancy us to give teams a go. So uh, we need to kick on at some point. It's not the end of the world if we don't, but I I do fancy our chances on on Saturday. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, it's a good early test for us, but it's a winnable game and we'll go after it, won't we? We just won 5-0, we want to build on that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Five nil again. I'd take that. One nil would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. Well, this has been uh, Bill and Mark. Uh, just make sure that you look for us on the Wrexham website to listen to the commentary, the radio commentary that Mark will be providing. Um, I, I, may, I might be joining you, I think, Mark, actually, this time. Is, is that Excellent. something that... Yeah. Yeah, cool. Che, we'll see if we che, see if we can. Che and Neil as well. We'll have a full full house. I think of commentators, the Dragonheart Quad on That's the comms. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, thanks very much, and come on the town. This is the final whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. <laughs>